Hey friends, welcome to Charlotte Mason for All, where every culture, country, and community is welcome. Our mission is to bring Christ through the Charlotte Mason philosophy and methods to homes around the world, including yours. My name is Erica Alicea, and I'm your host, along with LaShawn Thomas, Mariana Mascracchio, and Min Huang. Welcome to our Global Mama series. Today we get to travel to Ghana, where our fellow homeschooling mama, Patty Summer, lives with her family. Patty is such an encouragement and even shares some of that encouragement as a contributor to the Commonplace Quarterly. I especially love her posts on Instagram, and my favorites are her hashtag Ghana Sunday Morning Fashion Show. <laughs> I love those, Patty. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's a blessing. I'm glad I have the opportunity. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? All right. So I'm an American by birth. I'm a Michigander. Um, <laughs> I was raised by two Southerners who moved to Michigan in a thundersnow. And they have quite a story to go along with that. But I was raised there. I have four daughters, 18 down to eight. And we live in Ghana, West Africa. And we have lived here now just over 18 years. And so what brought you to Ghana? So um, my husband and I were both um, felt called to the mission field when we were in university. And we were both praying about where the Lord would have us to go. And our college actually offered a trip and we were on the same trip to Ghana. Um, we were not dating at the time or anything, but we both came here and were praying about God's desire for us. Um, not long after that, we did start dating. And then in time, my husband-to-be came back here again on another trip. And we just thought this was where the Lord would have us. So we packed up all our life <laughs> um, just about a year after we got married and we moved here. Wow. I'm sorry if you said this already. Uh, yeah. How long have you been in Ghana? Yeah, um, just a little over 18 years now. Wow. And that is so amazing that God would put it on both your hearts, like separate yeah. individually. So you guys yeah. are friends? Yeah, well, yeah, we knew each other. Um, I had been on other missions trips to other fields, and we came here on the same trip, and we just knew that this was where God would have us to go. That is so amazing. God is so faithful, right? He is. He is. And you know, when I came, I, I wasn't really, I, I just was asking the Lord to lead me and he felt the same way. It wasn't like, you know, is this the spot? Is this the spot? Just, you know, God show us what we're supposed to do. And he made it very clear that this is where he would have us. And now this is our home. Um, it did not feel that way at first. It definitely took a while, but this is now home to us. Thank you for sharing that. And how did you find Charlotte Mason? So um, my degree is in elementary education. And <laughs> when we decided we were moving to Ghana, I was actually teaching at the time. And so I was teaching fourth grade. And so I just had it in my mind, we would set up our little school in our home. I mean, I brought all the curriculum with me. <laughs> I mean, everything, Erica. And I wasn't, I didn't even have a baby yet, um, but <laughs> I was just really prepared. And we got here and um, I had my first child. And when she was four years old, I mean, I, I decorated the little room we had. I, I moved, I made a bulletin board. Yes. And <laughs> um, everything. The teacher in you. The teacher yes. in you, right? 
exactly. And um, I just had this grand idea of what schooling was going to be like, and it wasn't like that. And it was really difficult. And all my dreams came crashing down very rapidly. I had imagined, you know, sitting and reading and enjoying learning together. And we were actually doing lots and lots of workbook pages and school was really hard for my first daughter. And so I, I, I felt really stuck. I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of kept pushing through all the things I've been taught but I started searching because I thought maybe I'm doing something wrong. I've only taught you know, fourth graders. Maybe I don't know how to teach four-year-olds. <laughs> so I was trying to find something. Um, the farther we went down that path, though, the more I realized maybe my daughter had some learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. So, and I really should have considered that early on. My husband is dyslexic. He did not learn to read till he was 12 years old. Okay. But it never occurred to me that my daughter could have some struggles. So I was just searching, trying to find something. Um, we had very, very poor internet connections at that time. So um, we, are, we were on a shared feed. So if I had to wake up early, early, like four o'clock in the morning with a baby or something, I'd just stay up and get on while there was some internet. And I would search and search and try to find something that would answer my questions, my struggles, because nothing I was doing seemed to work. And I stumbled across a few blogging moms who, um, when I saw their pictures and they talked about school, I thought, that's what I'm looking for. And all of them at one point or another mentioned Charlotte Mason. Wow. So when my oldest was seven, we had to back to the States on a furlough and to report to our churches and spend some time with our families. And we actually put my daughter back in the school I'd been teaching in. And I was kind of like, oh, we'll put her back in this good school and they'll fix all of her problems. Cause that was, <laughs> that's how I thought of it. And I, I didn't really understand what I was facing. And I was very afraid. Um, and just a few weeks after she'd been in school, the teacher came to me and she said, I think your daughter has dyslexia. And I said, okay, so how are we going to fix this? She's like, well, if you stayed in the States, I would just call this number and she'd go see a specialist and we'd get you into classes. She said, but really, I don't have any answers for you because you're going back to Africa. So at that point, I looked at my husband and I said, we've got to find a solution. And he said, okay, you have a year. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord help. So through that, I started, I remember that name, Charlotte Mason. And I just started trying mm -hmm. to find anything I could. And um, I read for the children's sake, Susan Schaefer Macaulay, of course. And when I read that book, I was like, this is it. Right. This is what I've been looking for. I just didn't know what I was looking for. And so we kind of did an about face, got rid of the curriculum. Again, I, I knew so little. Now I look back and laugh, even what I thought a Charlotte Mason education was, I really understood very little, um, but just got together what we could. And then we came back. My daughter was eight at that time. She couldn't even read two letter words. Right. But I just believed that this was how God had led us. And, you know, he's so good. That was exactly what we were looking for, even though we didn't know. And so dyslexia is the thing that the Lord used to bring us to Charlotte Mason and her philosophy of education. Well, wow, that just gave me goosebumps. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, the, how he uses the, the struggles, right? These yes. struggles um, yes. to bring us to where he wants us to be. Yeah. And yeah. so we have, we, we know a lot of parents and, and, and we have a lot of listeners who their children have 
learning differences. And yeah. I, I, I know that it's difficult sometimes because when you're on that end, it feels like you're like the only one, like yeah. everyone else, especially when you're looking at pictures on Instagram or anything. Or just, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. But that's yeah, that's not my life. <laughs> <laughs> what about me? How, how does this work for for me and for, for yeah. my challenges and so can you tell us um how like what what elements of of charlotte mesa philosophy helped with uh your daughter's learning difference with her dyslexia my daughter had a great desire to learn but she was hung up by the fact that she couldn't read and so when i started understanding that i could read to her mm. that was like the first thing that i realized this could work for us Mm -hmm. um, up to that point, she had a curriculum and already at age eight, she was supposed to be reading stuff and filling out workbook pages and answering questions. And she could not do that. Yeah. And so when I saw, okay, so I read to her and then she tells me back, I realized we could do that. And so that was, I think the first thing for me that I felt like I felt hope. Yes. And because I felt like the Lord had led us to this, I guess maybe it was just blind faith, but mm -hmm. I really believed that sooner or later we would be able to take these steps forward. But it was really, it was just really the Lord's goodness that maybe I'm just stubborn, but I just <laughs> trusted that this would work. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I remember though, I was encouraged. Um, so I don't even remember at this point who told me, but someone uh, encouraged me to read the book, The Gift of Dyslexia mm. by, I believe, Ron Davies. And I, I was like, okay, I'll read this, but you know, will this help me? I guess it was a reminder that I, I need to educate myself too. And so I actually read it aloud to my husband first because he is dyslexic. And the whole time he was saying, wait, you don't think like that? Your mind doesn't do that. We wait. Everybody isn't like this, and it was it was just like that. Go ahead. The Lord said, "See, this is the path I'm leading you, and this is what your daughter needs." And so, it was exactly what we needed, and it changed the entire dynamic of our family. That is so encouraging because it, you do get to that point where it feels a little hopeless when your child yes. is not where you think they should yes. be or where others appear to be. Yes. <laughs> I remember we were actually, when we were back in the States, I had taken her and uh, my second born, I'd taken them to a little library. Like they were going to have a reading time at the library and a bunch of my friends, my old friends were there. And it wasn't really a reading time. There was all kinds of other things. And the, the lady who's supposed to be reading to them was like flashing phonics cards and all of this stuff. And everybody else's children were just, you know, blah, 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 seeing all their little blends. And I'm just sitting there and my daughter's looking at me like, I don't know what to do, mom. <laughs> I was just smiling like, it's okay, honey. And it was really overwhelming to think that my daughter was behind. But then when I came and saw the little bit I understood of Charlotte Mason, I realized she wasn't behind that mm -hmm. she was going to be okay as long as she was getting the ideas and the mind food that she needed and whenever she learned to read that would be okay miss mason we love you so much <laughs> <laughs> yes love how that 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 whole uh, idea is it permeates throughout all the subjects all yeah. the lessons and it just it helps us mamas go <sighs> yes <laughs> Take that deep breath and say, it's going to be okay. 
So they will learn it when they are ready. Yes. So yeah. important. So being in Ghana, that that changes uh, things a little bit, right, in terms of your history or, or certain lessons. So how do you make your area where you live or your culture relevant when, when spreading this feast? Like, what are some of the, the challenges and some of the victories? All right. So... Um, when I first came to Charlotte Mason, like I said, I knew so very little. And of course, we're all learning as we go, the moms as well as the kids. Um, but I realized right away, for my children, um, as the Lord had led us, this was going to be what they thought of as home. They're Americans, but they've spent very little of their lives there. And right away, I realized I wanted them to know the place that they would consider at least one of their homes. And so I just thought it would be so simple. So I started trying to find books about Ghana's history. Mm. And unfortunately, that was really, really difficult. And when I would go, we don't have a lot of bookstores here, and most of them only sell the school textbooks. And so even when I looked at school textbooks, there was really not much history in their social studies books. And that was really discouraging. So I realized either I could get discouraged or I could just start praying that the Lord would show me what we needed when we needed it. Which now I realized some of those things I didn't need that early, Um, but it was good that I at least was looking. So as we went farther in this, I was praying, God, bring me the books that we need. So the very first one that the Lord gave us, the day it happened, I just cried with joy. We We are not far from one of the three main universities in our country. We don't live too far from there. And they do have a bookstore there. And again, most of the things are textbooks. But we went in there one day. And on the shelf was a brand new book. It was The Birds of Ghana. It was a field guide. And I was, I mean, I did. I stood there in the aisle. I was just crying because I knew God had sent that just for me. And it it ends up that there had been some work done back um, during the times when um, England uh, colonized Ghana. And so there had been some work done way back then in the 50s and the 60s by different teachers at the universities here. So uh, some different field guides, but really the work had kind of gone down. And this group up in um, Switzerland and UK had come together, collected the old things that had already been done. And they had worked with the scientists here to try to put together this field guide. And that was our very first thing for Ghana that we actually could hold in our hands and like we can look at the birds and now we know their names. And it was just, it was a gift from the Lord for us. It was exactly what we needed to encourage us. Okay, I'm going to give you what you need when you need it. And I will say we still have that field guide. It has been thumbed to death. My children <laughs> love birds. And it, it just, every time I see it, Erica, it just brings a smile to my face because it was really such a precious, precious thing for us. Fast forward now. My oldest, this is her last year um, homeschooling. She will be graduating in May. And um, 
as they got older, I realized we really do have to find some more things. But every time we've really been at the point where, wow, I've got to find something, the Lord has really brought something to our attention um, from someone else. Um, Emily Kaiser gave me some suggestions. I was able to find some books last time we were on furlough through her. Um, different things I found here, just odds and ends. And I just little bit by little bit by little bit found the things that we need. So it's literally like going on this hunt and then, you know, kind of hearing about this and then looking, 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 finally finding it. So just recently, my most recent acquisition was a biography of Kwame Nkrumah, who is the man who led Ghana to independence. And I have been looking that for that for quite a while. Wow. And so it was just so exciting to be able to show my girls, look, <laughs> the Lord's provided another book for us. So my older girls, have an extra stream of history. So they actually do a stream of West African history. And so um, my younger ones, I have lots of books now in our Africa collection. So they have lots of picture storybooks and poem books and things like that about Africa generally, and then some more about West Africa. But then once they hit about ninth grade, I start another stream of history, and that is West African history for them. Wow, wow. So you're starting out you're not starting out with uh, gone in history. You know, it was so hard for me to decide. Um, when I first came to what I knew about Charlotte Mason, I actually was encouraged to start with ancient history. Mm -hmm. And that was all I knew. And actually that is still what we do, mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit different than for a lot of people, but it worked really well for us. So we actually started with ancient history, which started in Egypt in the Middle East. And so we started from there. And so that is actually how we've worked our history streams. So that's a little bit different than the norm, but that's really what worked for our family. They had so many connections because our family is deeply rooted in scripture. So that ancient history starting with Genesis wasn't really hard for them. Right. And that's worked well for our family. So we've just continued that as we've gone through, but then we added in another stream. So they have, um, they have African history and we do quite a bit focus on British history because, because England did colonize Ghana, we have a lot of connections that way. So that's kind of our nearest neighbor. Um, like Mason refers to. So we also do, of course, American history because I realized if I took my American children back to America without American history, that would be a really bad thing. <laughs> this, is, this is great to hear because we have to, this is what Miss Mason says, like we have to um, use these methods to serve our family dynamics, our family culture, where we live. Yes and that there's so much freedom in it and yeah. it, it can be overwhelming right and it can be scary also and nerve-wracking yeah. but like you said like you're you were praying and god was just meeting you right where you were at which is he does every time and it's such a, a great reminder because for those of us who uh who have things a little more uh that it's more easily accessible for us um we can take those things for granted like just a simple curriculum that you're trying to create with books <laughs> and it's hard when you can't when it's just not there yes yes the exciting thing for me though is to see how now that can help serve others 
So there's no giant homeschool community in Ghana. In fact, homeschooling is a really strange idea to people here. Um, but it is, um, we have another young missionary family that um, we know, and they actually have chosen to use Charlotte Mason's methods in their education. And so I've been able to share some ideas with her. And we do have some um, of our Ghanaian friends who are really curious about these things because, of course, they only know the schooling that they were raised in. And so um, actually one of my dearest friends, she's actually our children's Sunday school teacher in our church here. She's actually very slowly listening to Miss Mason's first book on audiobook. Little bit by little bit, she just had her first baby who will be a year tomorrow. And so she'll come to me and she's like, so I just read this. And that's so exciting to see how that can impact anybody, no matter where they're at, no matter their culture, because it's true. Right. And then so and hopefully you're encouraging others right now, right, wherever they are. And even yeah. those um, who may be in the United States, but have like their family, their heritage is from Ghana. Yeah. Like this is, this is so, um, it's so helpful. It's so helpful to just even learn, uh, not only titles of books, but like how to go about this. Yes. One step at a time. <laughs> Which principle Patty has made the most impact on you in this season that you're in? I really love this question. <laughs> um, I do, um, because at first, I remember the first time I read Miss Mason's principles and I was so overwhelmed by them. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what any of this means. Um, but as I've chewed on them over the years, um, actually at this part of my life, principle number 12, that education is the science of relations, mm -hmm. is the one that has spoken to me the most. Um, with my oldest, we are at the place where I am seeing all of these relations and how they have worked in her heart and her life and her mind. And it's a, it's a joy to see how living ideas taken from all the things around her, all the things that are part of her life, all the things that are part of the feast are just working together to make her into the beautiful person God has for her to be. And, um, for so many years, I loved principle number one because I had these young children and really trying to imagine what this education was actually supposed to be, but trusting that each one of them was a person. But I can definitely say at this point now, seeing that education is a science of relations and how God makes it all work together so beautifully and how they have relations with so many things has been just, just an absolute joy for me. As you were talking and you, you started off when you were sharing about your children, you started off with your oldest and then now she's graduating soon. And to, to hear the progress, to hear from beginning to end. I try not to think about that too much, to Sorry. be honest at this point. <laughs> but it, it is so encouraging those of us who are um in it right we're 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 in it um those of us who are just starting and then or the the um right now my daughter's 12 and there there are many moments that are amazing and victorious and answered prayers and i'm like this is why we're doing this and then there are those moments <laughs> like 
is this going to get better? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Erica, it's so true. My youngest is eight and she is dyslexic also. Mm -hmm. And she, um, so I've, I've been down that road before. I don't fear it anymore, but there are days I'm like, remember, remember we are going someplace and we will get there in our time. But there are some days it is, it is even hard to remember, like, this is going to get better. It's going to get better. I know it's going to get better because it's not feeling better right now. Right. And we hold on to his promises. We hold on that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us, that he goes before us. And we hold on to those. Um, It it is at the, in the moment it's, it's challenging. And so, you know, I, I personally, I just really appreciate hearing how from beginning to end, like you have seen this philosophy work and Um, in your daughter's life. And I know that I'm not the only one who, who feels that encouragement right now. All right. So you have four girls, right? And yes. now your, your oldest is in 12, but you still have the, the other three. Um, so you've been doing this for a while. And what would you tell your younger self when you were considering homeschooling? Would you do anything differently? <laughs> would you do it all so- over again? <laughs> Yeah. Well, a couple of things. Number one, I would read Mason's writings earlier. Mm. When I came to Charlotte Mason, there was not a lot available at that time. Or if it was, I wasn't familiar with it. And so I got this idea that her stuff was really great. But I also somewhere picked up the idea that like I couldn't read her books Mm. and and I'm not sure where I picked that up, but somehow I had that in my head. So I read what other people had to say about Miss Mason's philosophy of education. And that was good, but it wasn't enough. And it really wasn't until I invested in the books. I, I found a set, um, a used set, the on Amazon because there weren't any in print at the time and I begged my husband I said can I have these for my Christmas gift (laughs) and he said okay honey if that's what you want for your Christmas gift that's fine and so I started reading them and that took so much of the load off of me Mm -hmm. because I began to understand this philosophy and how the Holy Spirit was the teacher Mm -hmm. and that I didn't have to make this work And so I, that would be the first thing I would say to my younger self was read Miss Mason's works earlier. Even if you have small children, even if you're tired, find a way to squeeze in just even little bits of her own writing because she puts it in such a beautiful way. And she really isn't that scary to read. I think I was nervous about reading what she wrote because maybe because of how people talked about it because it's old English and things. Mm -hmm. But really once I got used to reading her, she really wasn't that hard to understand for me. I just had to make the effort. Yes. So the other thing is then also praying about how I educated my children. Um, I remember a few years ago when I was preparing for the next school year and it really hit me. Have you prayed about what you're doing? Mm. Because I'm not following an exact curriculum that anyone else has written out. I'm not having a consultation with somebody and those things aren't bad. It's just not an option for me. And the Lord was like, well, I know what your girls need. So how about you bring it to me? (laughs) 
and I'll help you know what to do. And so that was something that in recent years, the Lord has really just brought to my mind again and again and again to pray about it. So when we're in the middle of a reading lesson and the child cannot remember and no matter how many times we've read it, getting frustrated is the wrong response. Right. Praying for the Holy Spirit's help is the right response. Yeah, yeah. And so my youngest, she is my little free spirit. Let me tell you, Erica, she <laughs> is, she's my wild child. She keeps me young. And so we will get in this in the middle of a lesson and then she'll stop and I'll say, are you okay? And she said, mommy, I was just praying. I really need the Lord's help. Oh. And that just every time I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Um, because I don't always pray in the middle of every lesson when I should. Um, but she's at least picked up on the fact that I really believe that the Holy Spirit can help us in this education. And she is seeking his help also. And so I would never underestimate the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely do this all over again. I just wish I'd found it sooner. <laughs> right. Oh. Who are you sounding, girl? I started with grade. <laughs> I wish I hear these stories like with men. <laughs> she started when her when her oldest was a baby, and it's just like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah. I'm so grateful that there are more resources now. That there are you know podcasts and yes. books and their websites, and then there are book clubs <laughs> that just really help guide you. But you're right. It, it's it's really the Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, none of those things are with you at the moment. No, it's Him. It's Him, and yeah. that's Him. And to to go and to remember and and to model uh, for your for your children, like no, this is who we need. We need Him first in order to understand. And yes. that that is such um such great advice. Like this, it's what I know, but <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> And I it's think, easy to forget. <laughs> I think what it is too is that it's it's going back to habit training because you you do what you know, and yeah. so you have to build certain habits. And but but the habits that have were already formed before then the, the bad habits, the the poor reactions, situation <laughs> those those are so ingrained, and it really takes a lot of. Um, uh, discipline to, yes. to do what's right and um but but it's worth it what is the lord speaking to your heart for this season of homeschooling this is a hard one <laughs> so our family is getting ready to go back on a furlough to america in january okay. um the way our country that we live in works is that carrie can know our eldest can no longer be on our paperwork when she turns 18 she's almost 18 so we will be leaving and taking her back to the states um, our family will be there we will finish up our school year and then we will be leaving her there um, where she decides to further her education and then we will be coming back to ghana and that is a really hard thing for me our family um, is very very close living so far away from our own families and for many years, we were really the only missionaries in our area. The Lord has since brought other missionaries, and we have good friends here. And of course, our, our church here, we love our people very much. Um, but our family is very tight-knit. And so it is hard at this point to imagine 
leaving one of us behind is how it feels. At this point in homeschooling though, I'm trying very hard to remember, I still have three students that are going to be with me and not um, because of sadness, um, doing right by them. So that is one thing the Lord has really been working in my heart about. The other thing is, is I can fear like, what if she did not read all the right books? Like, oh, we forgot this one and we didn't do this thing. And I can have this fear that she's not gotten enough. And so the Lord's been reminding me. And as I read through Miss Mason's works, I'm reminded the goal was not to get her all the right books and do all the right things and be finished. The goal is to let my daughter pledge as a baby bird and let her go because she will be able to fly. She will be a lifelong learner. She will go on to continue caring and loving and learning the rest of her life. But I can be fearful that I've missed something. And so that's really where I'm at in this season of homeschooling, accepting that what is done is done and that God is good and that she can continue to learn on her own without mom giving her another book to read. <laughs> Patty, well, we, we pray with you and we pray for you asking um, that the Holy Spirit continue to give you peace in both those areas. I can't even imagine, um, but, but we know that he carries us through and that, you know, you, that we are all stewards, we're stewards and they, they belong to him and yes. they're all better hands, right? Than to, to yes. the ones at his. And um, so we will definitely be, be keeping you in prayer for that. Thank you. Well, we're going to go from that sad part to some fun questions. <laughs> Good. That's a better way of ending. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions, rapid fire questions and, and whatever. Oh boy. First All right. <laughs> okay. You ready? What is something you cannot leave home without? A handkerchief because I'm always sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to the next question. What is your ideal outside temperature? Less than it is here in Ghana. <laughs> Um, I'd probably say right around 65. Mm, mm. How high does it get up there? Uh, 110. Oh, wow. Yes. I love heat, but I don't know about that high. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite type of tea? Rui Boss, also called Red Bush. It's a South African tea. I learned to drink it here. Mm. Is it sweet? No. Uh, maybe it's a little bit bitter, mm. um, but I, I really like it. I drink it every morning. Oh. What's been your favorite age so far for yourself? This one. <laughs> I, I really was fearful of entering my 30s. I was, I was terrified. Um, like I was this old lady because I was turning 30. And then I loved my 30s so very much. And I was like, why am I afraid of this? Every year just keeps getting better. I, I agree. I totally agree. You remember back in the days, like 30 sounded old. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of days ago. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like 40s. This is what? <laughs> <laughs> What's, okay, last question. Yes. The oddest thing you've ever eaten. Oh boy. I eat a lot of odd food here. <laughs> well, I don't think it's odd. 
um, but probably people here would think it's odd. Um, possibly we eat octopus here, um, but not regularly because we don't live right near the coast. Probably the oddest one would be um, monitor lizard. So we had a church member kill a monitor lizard, and then he shared it with our family. Um, so that would probably rank right up there. Hmm. Did you like it? It was rather sticky. <laughs> I wouldn't put it on my list of favorite dishes. It's good to try new things, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the truth is, we've come to love the food here, but it's very different than anything I had ever eaten growing up. So. It's, it's been an adventure, but now we all love it. So that's a good thing. And have you learned to cook a lot of the, the foods? I have. I, I had a friend who started teaching me um, years ago, and I just kind of went from there. The hardest thing here was there was really no cookbooks. Um, there have been a few cookbooks written in recent years, um, but I just had to learn by watching people. So it was literally like me holding my hands under things as they were throwing them in pots, trying to get a measurement. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, but we do eat a lot of the food here now. There's only one dish that I really, really don't like, but if someone cooks it for us, well, I will eat it. It's called fufu. And it's kind of like eating a ball of raw dough. Mm. So, that's my least favorite, but. But you eat it anyway. <laughs> I eat it anyway. <laughs> I'm curious. So when you come back to the States, do your girls like want then food that they're used to like from Ghana and then they can't find it over there in the States? They do miss Ghanaian food. Um, so I have a funny story about that. When we were back last time, which was four years ago, um, we were really trying to find some of the foods that we eat here. They're, they're just really hard to find unless you're in an area where there's a large concentration of West Africans. So when we're back in the States, we travel a lot. And we were in Ohio and we were visiting a church there. And the pastor said, okay, there's this big market um, outside of Cincinnati where they have foods from all over the world. And so we went there and my husband found the yam we eat here, which is not at all like an American sweet potato yam. This is a giant tuber about 18 inches long. And it was there. And he's like, we have to buy yam. And I said, okay. I said, but check the price. And he's like, oh, it can't be that much. And I said, honey, check the price. <laughs> and he said, oh, it won't be that much. And he just grabbed the two biggest yams on the shelf. And we took them up front. My family was so excited because we were going to take them back to Michigan and we were going to prepare this yam for my family there and our family. And he got up to the cash register and those two yams cost over $40. <gasps> but then my husband was so embarrassed, he <laughs> didn't know what to do. So he just bought them. <laughs> He's like, wait, forget it. No. <laughs> and that's what I was like looking at him like, you can just say no thanks. But he was like, I've already, I've committed myself. So we got out to the car and he's like, these better be the tastiest yams ever. Do not waste a single piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I get the embarrassment, but I, I might've been like, you know what? I'll just take one yam instead. <laughs> Half price. Something. Something. Oh, wow. But were they delicious? 
Oh, they were, they were delicious. So okay, uh, we can get, we do eat a lot of plantain here. Mm -hmm. And so plantain is actually a lot easier to find even where my, where we usually stay in Michigan, it's a little bit easier to find. I think plantain is maybe becoming a little bit more common in the States. So that, that is something that I can cook a little bit more easily. So we had yam once and it was delicious. <laughs> Plantains are what we grew up with. Um, I'm from the Caribbean and uh, I, I thought it was <laughs> from the Caribbean and then come to find out it's actually from Africa. And so it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's, it makes sense that it's just kind of, it's going to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Patty, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you. Uh, where can we find you and support you? Okay. So I am on Instagram as Mrs. John in Ghana. Here we use other people's names to identify. So I've always been called Mrs. John because my husband's name is John. Um, I also have a separate Instagram page where I just share what I'm reading, what I'm learning. That's Patty Imposture. Um, and then I do have a blog I used to write on regularly. For anyone who's interested maybe in what missions is like for young mothers, I don't write on there too often anymore. That's um, John and Ghana at blogspot.com. But if someone would be interested, maybe someone going to the mission field, someone wondering how they could support young missionaries, there was a time where I wrote on there very regularly sharing through the struggles and the needs of young missionaries. So if that would be something that would interest people, you could go on over there and read that. Awesome. We'll definitely have those in the show notes. All right. Well, thank you, Patty. Again, such a pleasure. You're always such an encouragement and it's just great to have you here. Thank you, Erica. It was a blessing. Hey friend, thank you for joining us today. We hope to meet you back here next week. I also hope you enjoyed this episode. So go ahead and don't be shy. Leave us a five-star review. And until next time, friend, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you.